بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he arrived in Medina that it was a situation still where there was not 100% complete safety because the enemies of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the enemies of the Muslims they still existed and there were enemies within Medina and there were enemies outside of Medina so even though the Prophet ﷺ left Mecca, he made hijrah to Medina, now he's the head of the state in Medina, and he has power and authority, it's still not a situation where there is 100% complete safety. So we spoke about the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims within Medina. There were the Jews of Medina, who had hatred and envy and enmity towards the Prophet ﷺ because they were waiting for a Prophet but they were hoping that that Prophet would be from Bani Israel. So when the Prophet ﷺ came and he was not from Bani Israel, even though they knew that he had the signs of prophethood on him, they rejected him out of their envy and out of their jealousy. So these were the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ in the city of Al-Madinah, the Jews of Medina. Also within Medina, there were some of the kuffar of the tribes of Aus and Khazraj. And we mentioned that the majority of both of these tribes, the majority of Aus and the majority of Khazraj, they had accepted Islam and they had become Muslims. But there were still a few of them who did not accept Islam and they remained upon kufr and shirk. So these were enemies to the Muslims as well. And then of course there were the munafiqeen, the hypocrites. There were some people who outwardly pretended to accept Islam, but in reality they remained upon kufr. And their purpose in doing this was to try to harm Islam. Instead of doing it from the outside, they wanted to harm Islam from the inside because they felt that that would be more effective and more damaging. So these were the enemies of the Muslims within Medina itself. The Jews, the remaining kuffar of Aus and Khazraj, and the munafiqeen. And then of course from outside of Medina, the threat of the Quraysh was still there. And these were the biggest enemies of the Muslims for so many years, the kuffar of the Quraysh. And also as we mentioned before, there were many other Arab tribes who basically lived upon fighting and battle. So their whole life, they would just go from city to city and they would fight those people and take over their land. So this was a very common practice among many of the tribes of the Arabs. So there was that threat that existed to the new Muslims, the new Muslim state in Medina. Internal threat and external threat. So of course, there was not 100% complete safety even in this situation. And it was after the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ to Al-Madinah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave the Muslims the permission to fight. He gave the Muslims permission for jihad. During the 13 years they were in Mecca, they were not allowed to fight. They were not allowed 
to engage in jihad. But now that they had made this migration to Al-Madinah, now that they had a stable situation, now that they actually had a state, and the Prophet ﷺ was the head of that state, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them permission to defend themselves against their enemies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them permission to perform jihad. So from the munafiqeen of Medina, and we spoke about this man a little bit before, there was a man named Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. And you will hear his name a lot when you study the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ because he was the head of the munafiqeen and he was a person who caused many, many problems for the Prophet ﷺ and for the Muslims in Al-Madinah. So the reason why Abdullah ibn Ubay had such hatred for the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims was because just before the Prophet ﷺ became known to the people of Medina, before Islam entered Medina, there was no real leader for the people of Medina. The leaders of Aus and the leaders of Khazraj, they had died in different battles. So all of the big shot leaders had died. Now there was only the second level of leadership. And none of them was really in a position to take complete command of the city. So there were a few people who were hoping that they would get that leadership position to become the head of Medina. And Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, he was one of them. He was one of them who was in line to become the leader of Medina. But when the people of Medina, when the Aus and the Khazraj, when they accepted Islam and they decided to have the Prophet ﷺ come to Medina and become their leader, then Abdullah ibn Ubay's dreams of leadership, his dreams of power, they were destroyed. So because of this, he had a very strong jealousy and hatred towards the Prophet ﷺ in particular. Also, there was a man by the name of Abdu Amr, Al-Sayfi ibn Nu'man. And he was also in line to become one of the leaders of Al-Madinah before the Prophet ﷺ came into town. So he was ready and he was hoping that he would get that position of leadership. Abdu Amr al-Sayfi ibn Nu'man, he was known as Abu Amir al-Rahib. His nickname was al-Rahib, Abu Amir al-Rahib. And the reason why he had this nickname al-Rahib, al-Rahib it means a monk. And you know from Christianity, the monks are those people who spend all of their time in meditation and prayer. They have a special type of dress that they wear. So this man, he was known as Abu Amir al-Rahib because he had actually traveled to Asham. He had traveled to Syria and he was influenced by the Christian monks that he saw there. So when he came back to Medina, he started wearing that type of clothes as well. And he started to act like he was always in a state of meditation and prayer as well. So he adapted basically the habits of the monks that he had met over there in Syria. So he became known in Medina as Abu Amir al-Rahib, Abu Amir the monk. And he was also in line to become the leader of Al-Madinah. So it was basically between these two people. It would either be 
Abu Amir al-Rahib or Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul. But both of their dreams were dashed. Both of their hopes and aspirations were destroyed when the Prophet ﷺ came in and he assumed the leadership role. So of course they both had hatred towards the Prophet ﷺ, but they dealt with that hatred in different ways. Abdullah ibn Ubay, he became a munafiq. He pretended to become a Muslim so that he would stay relevant in the society. And he hoped that he could damage Islam from the inside and eventually he would get what he wanted. And that was leadership of the people. So this was the strategy of Abdullah ibn Ubay. As for Abu Amr, he decided to just leave Medina. If he couldn't be the leader, he said, okay, I'm just leaving Medina. He left Medina and he went back to Syria where he had traveled before. He left Medina and he went to Syria. And the Prophet ﷺ said regarding this man, don't call him Ar-Rahib, don't call him the monk, call him Al-Fasiq instead. So from that point on, he became known instead of Abu Amir Ar-Rahib, he became known as Abu Amir Al-Fasiq. Abu Amir, the wrongdoer, Al-Fasiq. So this was the situation in Medina after the Prophet ﷺ had arrived. And of course, there was that danger and there was that threat to the security of the Prophet ﷺ and for the Muslims. And the Prophet ﷺ, he knew very well. He knew that the situation is not completely safe. He knew he had enemies. And of course, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the protector. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one that we depend upon for safety. But at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the people to take precautions. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your protector, but He commands you to keep yourself safe and to keep the precautions. So when the Prophet arrived in Al Madinah and he knew that there were these threats from different angles, he made sure that he took all the precautions that were necessary. And he as the leader, the Prophet himself as the leader, he knew that he would be the main target of the enemies. Yes, they were enemies of the Muslims in general, but when you have an enemy, the main target of the enemy is always the leader. So the Prophet knew that he would be the main target of the enemies himself. So he had to take precautions for himself to keep safe. So he actually said after his arrival in Medina, Layta Rajulan Salihan min Ashabi Yahrusni Layla. That the Prophet said, I wish that there was someone from my companions, a good man, a pious man from my companions who will protect me tonight. So he knew that he had to make sure that security was in place and he actually made arrangements to have a bodyguard for himself, the Prophet So of course, when the Prophet asked for a bodyguard, this is an honor. This is an honor to, to keep the Prophet safe by the permission of Allah. So Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas when he heard this request from the Prophet ﷺ to have a bodyguard, he put on his armor and he kept his weaponry with him and he acted as a bodyguard for Rasulullah ﷺ. So this of course 
was during the foundational stages, during the setup of the society in Al Madinah. And whenever there's a new society being made, a new community being formed, a new state being built, in the beginning stages, there is always a threat to security. When there's a new country or a new state or a new society, there will always be enemies and there will be a threat to that security. But after the foundational stages, when the state establishes itself, then those threats to the security are diminished. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promised the Prophet and the believers that there will come a time if they believe and do good works that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will replace their fear with safety. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayah, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كَمَا اسْتَخْلَفَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمُ الَّذِي ارْتَضَى لَهُمْ وَلَيُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ أَمْنًا يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِي شَيْئًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises the believers, the people who believe and do good works from amongst you, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you authority on this earth as He gave people before you authority on this earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you the ability to practice your religion, the religion of Al-Islam. And He will replace your fear with safety. He will replace your fear with security. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the people, they will worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and they will not associate any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this promise came down to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the companions that yes, maybe during this stage there is fear and there is danger, but you believe and you do good works and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will establish you upon this earth and he will take that fear away and he will replace it with safety. So this is basically the setup of Medina, how Medina was before jihad actually started. And many people have the misconception that the battle of Badr, which was in the second year of the Hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. Many people have the misconception that this was the first incidence of jihad in Islam. This is not true. It was not the first incident of jihad in Islam. There were some minor incidents that took place before the Battle of Badr. Many minor incidents actually. But the Battle of Badr was the first decisive and major battle in Islam. But before that, in the first year of the Hijrah, there were many instances of jihad that actually took place. And to understand these instances of jihad that took place in the early period of al Madina, we have to have some understanding of some of the terminology of jihad. There is something called Sariyah and there is something called Ghazwa. Sariyah, it means when a group of companions of the Prophet ﷺ went out on an expedition in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When a group of companions went out for jihad without the presence of the Prophet ﷺ. This is called Sariyah. And the Ghazwa, on the other hand, is when the Prophet ﷺ is amongst them as well and he is leading them in the expedition.
So Sariyah is when the companions go out in the way of Allah without the Prophet and Ghazwa is when the Prophet is with them physically and he is leading them. So the first Sariyah, the first expedition of jihad in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a number of companions but without the Prophet being present amongst them, it took place in Ramadan in the first year of the Hijrah of the Prophet So the Prophet heard that there was a caravan. There was a caravan of the Quraysh that was coming near Medina. And the majority of the goods on this caravan belonged to Abu Jahl. And Abu Lahab was actually the one who was leading the caravan. So the majority of the belongings on that caravan were for Abu Jahl. The majority of the merchandise belonged to Abu Jahl. But Abu Lahab was in command of that caravan. So these are two of the biggest enemies of Islam. Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab. So when the Prophet ﷺ heard that this caravan was coming and it would be coming near Medina, and the Prophet ﷺ knew that he and his companions, they had left everything in Mecca and they had come to Medina with nothing. So they had every right to intercept that caravan of the Quraysh and take whatever they could take from that caravan. Because when they left Mecca, the kuffar of the Quraysh, they stole all of their stuff that they had left behind in Mecca. So of course, the Muslims had a right to intercept that caravan and take whatever they could from that caravan. So when the Prophet ﷺ heard that this caravan was going to be coming near, he ordered a group of the Muhajireen. And at this stage, he only ordered the Muhajireen, not the Ansar. He only ordered the Muhajireen to go and intercept that caravan. So it was a group of 30 of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ from the Muhajireen. And the leadership role in that Sariya, in that group of companions, the leadership role was given to Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu, Asadullah. The Lion of Allah and the Lion of the Messenger of Allah So he was given the leadership of that group and he was given the flag. So these 30 companions, they went out to intercept that caravan. It was a huge caravan full of merchandise with lots of camels, full of goods. And there were 300 guards, 300 security guards for that caravan. And Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib went out with a group of 30 people to intercept that caravan. And it just shows the bravery and the courage of the Muslims. That they were ready to go against an army that was so much bigger than them. They didn't care because they knew that they had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on their side. So Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib is leading this delegation of companions from the Muhajireen to go and intercept this caravan that is led by Abu Lahab and that is full of merchandise, most of which belongs to Abu Jahl. So they are able to intercept the caravan at a place called Bani Dhumrah in the land that is owned or controlled by the tribe of Bani Dhumrah. 
So, one of the leaders of Bani Dumrah, he was a man named Najdi ibn Amir. When he saw what was going on, when he saw that you know these two groups are about to fight with each other and they are in the land of Bani Dumrah, and Najdi ibn Amir, he is one of the leaders of Bani Dumrah. He said, no, 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 no. I will not allow fighting to take place in my land. So he told both sides, you can't fight. You are in my land right now. I am the leader. I am one of the leaders of this tribe. And I do not give you permission to fight in my land. So now Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib, he had to make a decision here. The Prophet ﷺ commanded him to go out and intercept that caravan. But it looks like that will not be possible unless he wants to fight Bani Dumrah as well. Because Bani Dumrah and Najdi ibn Amir, the leader of Bani Dumrah, he's saying, no, you can't fight in my land. So the only way he would be able to do it is to fight Bani Dumrah as well and fight the Quraysh. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't tell him to go and fight Bani Dumrah. He told him just to intercept that caravan of the Quraysh. So Hamza عنه, he made the decision to retreat and go back to Al-Madinah without fighting and without taking anything from that caravan of the Quraysh. So he went back to Medina and he informed the Prophet ﷺ about what happened. So this was actually the first group of companions who went out fi sabilillah, who went out in jihad fi sabilillah. And this counts as jihad fi sabilillah, even though it didn't get complete. It was a form of jihad in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they left their homes ready to do what the Prophet had commanded them to do. So this was actually the first incident of jihad in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Al-Islam. And this took place in Ramadan. See the blessed month of Ramadan. This took place in the month of Ramadan in the first year of the hijrah of the Prophet The next month, just one month later in the month of Shawwal, of the first year of Hijrah, the Prophet ﷺ received information that there was another caravan that was coming near Medina. And this was a caravan that was led by Abu Sufyan. And it was a huge, huge caravan full of merchandise as well. So the Prophet ﷺ, he selected Ubaidah ibn al-Harith. And Ubaidah ibn al-Harith was a cousin of the Prophet ﷺ. Ubaidah ibn al-Harith ibn Abdul Muttalib. So he selected Ubaidah to lead this group of 60 muhajireen. And again, the Ansar were not commanded to go out in this expedition. It was just the muhajireen. And the Prophet ﷺ selected Ubaidah ibn al-Harith to lead this delegation. Now this caravan, it was full of security as well. And the guards of this caravan of Abu Sufyan, they were very skilled archers. They were very good at shooting with their arrows. So when the Muslims came near, they couldn't actually get very close because these archers were very skilled archers and they started shooting arrows at the Muslims. So the Muslims couldn't even get close. But Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas he was amongst the Muslims and he had some arrows too. So he actually shot back at those guards of Abu Sufyan's caravan as well. And these shots of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, these are the first arrows that were ever released fi sabilillah in the way of Islam. This was the first incident of a Muslim actually shooting arrows 
in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in jihad. So this took place in Shawwal in the first year of the hijrah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Shortly after this, one of the big VIPs of the kuffar of the Quraysh died. And we spoke about him before, Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira. Al-Walid ibn Al-Mughira, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has cursed in the Quran. This man, he died around this period of time. So he died actually before the main battle of Badr. So he was not part of the battle of Badr because he died before it took place. So these two incidents, these two sariyas that we mentioned, which were groups of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ who went out fi sabilillah without the Prophet ﷺ himself being present. These two delegations took place. The first one took place in Ramadan of the first year of Hijrah. And the second one took place the next month in Shawwal, in the first year of Hijrah. Now after Shawwal comes the month of Dhul Qa'dah. And after Dhul Qa'dah comes Dhul Hijjah. And after Dhul Hijjah comes Muharram. So these three months, Dhul Qa'dah, Dhul Hijjah, and Muharram, they are from Al-Ashhur Al-Hurum. They are from the sacred months. And it is not allowed to fight during these months. So no jihad, no fighting took place for the next three months. In Dhul Qa'dah, Dhul Hijjah, and Muharram, no fighting took place. After Muharram, the next month is Safar. So in the month of Safar, the Prophet ﷺ himself, he led a group of his companions in a ghazwa. And as we mentioned, it is called a sariya if it is only companions without the presence of the Prophet ﷺ. And it is called a ghazwa when the Prophet ﷺ himself is present and he is leading the army. So the first ghazwa with the Prophet ﷺ himself in command, it took place in the month of Safar in the second year of Hijrah. And this was known as ghazwa al-abwa, also known as ghazwa waddan. And of course, this was starting to put a lot of economic pressure on the Quraysh. The Quraysh knows now that every time they're coming back with a caravan, there is this threat that the Muslims are going to try to come and intercept this caravan. So there is this pressure and worry on the side of the Quraysh as well now. So the Prophet ﷺ, he led this group of companions to intercept this caravan that was coming in the month of, of Safar. And again, the interception took place in the land of Bani Dhumra, the same land where Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib had led that first Sariyah. So now again, this Ghazwa with the Prophet ﷺ himself present, they were able to intercept the caravan of the Quraysh again in the land of Bani Dhumra. So now Mughith ibn Amr, he is also one of the leaders of Bani Dhumra. He said the same thing as Najdi ibn Amr had said before. He said, no, no fighting is allowed in my land. You can't fight in my land. So the Prophet ﷺ agreed to this and he actually signed a peace treaty with Bani Dhumra that he would not fight with them because he knew that the bigger threat was the threat of the Quraysh. And if he didn't sign this peace treaty with Bani Dhumra, maybe eventually Bani Dhumra, they would collude with the Quraysh and that would be a bigger threat to the Muslims. So the Prophet ﷺ was very wise and very smart. So he he actually signed a peace treaty with Bani Dhumra and they went back to 
al Madina. So that was during the month of Safar in the second year of the Hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. And that was actually the first Ghazwa, the first campaign of jihad with the Prophet ﷺ himself physically in command. In the month of Rabi'ul Awwal, say, look at this, it's happening. It's happening continuously now. Ramadan, Shawwal, then of course three months of no fighting. But then Safar, now Rabi'ul Awwal, again. In the month of Rabi'ul Awwal, there was the Ghazwa of Buwat. And again, the Prophet ﷺ himself was in command of this group. And it was 200 Muslims against a caravan of the Quraysh that consisted of 2,500 camels. Imagine that. How big was that caravan? And how much merchandise were they taking back that they needed 2,500 camels? So 200 Muslims under the leadership of Rasulullah himself, they went out to intercept that caravan. But now the Quraysh, they realized that every time they bring a caravan, that the Muslims are going to try to intercept it. So this time, the Quraysh, they actually took another path on the way back to Mecca. So the Muslims were not able to intercept that caravan. And this caravan of the Kufar of the Quraysh, it escaped. A couple of months later in Jamadi Al-Ula, the Prophet ﷺ led another group of fighters in the Ghazwa, known as Ghazwa Al-Ushayra. And there were 150 fighters under the leadership of the Prophet ﷺ and they went out to intercept a caravan. But again, they missed the caravan and they were not able to intercept that caravan. Around this time was the incident that happened where the Prophet ﷺ gave Ali ibn Abi Talib an, he gave him the nickname of Abu Turab Abu Turab, oh father of the dust, father of the dirt and what was the incident that took place that led to the Prophet ﷺ giving Ali an, this nickname so in Medina, around the time of Dhuhr, Salatul Dhuhr, the Prophet ﷺ, he went to visit his daughter, Fatima anha. And of course, we know that Fatima anha, she was married to Ali ibn Abi Talib anha. So the Prophet ﷺ, he went to visit his daughter, Fatima anha. And when he went to visit her, he noticed that Ali was not there. So he asked her, where, where is Ali? And Fatima radiallahu anha, she told her father, she said, actually, me and him, we got in a fight, we got in an argument. So he left. So see, this is something that takes place between husbands and wives sometimes. Even the best of people, Ali and Fatima radiallahu anhuma, as husband and wife, they would get into arguments sometimes. It's a normal thing. So she told her father that, yes, we got into an argument and he left. The Prophet said, okay. And he went out and he found Ali an, in the masjid, sleeping on the floor of the masjid. And as you know, during that time, the masjids were very simple and the ground of the masjid was dirt. So Ali an, he was there in the masjid, sleeping in the masjid. And the Prophet wasallam, and, and look at the Prophet wasallam and his way with dealing with people. Some people if their daughter gets in the fight with her husband, 
the parents of the daughter, they will be very angry at the son-in-law. How can, you, how can you fight with my daughter? How can you do this to my daughter? They'll be like this. But the Prophet ﷺ, he was not like that. Even though it was his own daughter, Fatima radiallahu anha, and Ali had gotten in a fight with her and an argument with her, he knew that these were just normal things that happen between husband and wife from time to time. So he didn't make a big deal out of it. He didn't make a big deal out of it. And when he found Ali radiallahu anha sleeping there in the masjid, he was sleeping on the dirt. So he gently and kindly said to him, Qum ya Aba Turab. Stand up, get up, oh father of the turab, father of the dust. He said it to him in a loving way. And Ali radiallahu anhi narrates that from that point on, that was the most beloved name to him. That nickname that the Prophet gave him, Abu Turab, he loved, he loved to be called by that name. So this just shows the interaction of the Prophet with his own family. So, Ten days after the battle of Al-Ushairah, the battle where the Prophet ﷺ led these 150 fighters, but they missed the caravan. Just ten days later, there was an attack on Medina. There was an attack inside the city of Al-Madina. And this was perpetrated by a man named Kurz ibn Jabir al-Fihri. So Kurz ibn Jabir al-Fihri, he came into Medina, he attacked Medina, he actually killed a shepherd and he stole some cattle and he escaped from Medina. So when the Prophet ﷺ came to know about this, he quickly mounted an animal and he called for his companions, let's go, let's go and chase him. So the Prophet ﷺ and a number of his companions, they chased after Kurz ibn Jabir al-Fihri, this man who actually came into Medina and attacked Medina. So they chased him until they reached the area called Safwan. And Safwan is near Badr. This is near the area of Badr. But they were not able to catch Kurz ibn Jabir and he escaped. So these are just some examples of some of the actual incidences of jihad. And even though none of them became complete, it didn't become an all-out battle between the Muslims and the Kuffar. The fact that the Muslims actually went out to fight and they were ready to go out in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they actually went out in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these are all examples of jihad. It still counts as jihad. So these were many incidences that took place before the main battle of Badr that you all know about that took place in the second year in Ramadan in the second year of Hijrah. So the Muslims were ready. They were prepared to defend themselves, to defend their land and to defend their religion and to take back what was rightfully theirs. For them to intercept those caravans and take what they could from those caravans, they had every right to do so because of what they suffered on the hands of the Quraysh for so many years. So they were ready for it. And these were some incidences of their attempts to do whatever they could in defense of their religion and in defense of their land and in defense of their honor. And inshallah, next week we will continue and we will speak about the Battle of Badr and how that came about bi Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.